0: Hi there, you have found us at Gab and Grow. It's a podcast for students about people, places, and resources at Western Connecticut State University. In a lot of the episodes we've had leading up to this, we've spent time talking about resources on campus in terms of your studies, clinics, labs, getting involved, what technology is available to you. Today, we're taking a bit of a turn. We're talking about a resource that most of you probably don't know a lot about. We're talking about Title IX. So let me give a few words of warning first. We're going to speak in this podcast about interpersonal violence, maybe, and some of you may find it disturbing. So I'm going to ask that you listen anyway. And if you feel like you need additional services, you take advantage of the resources available at our University Counseling Center or our Women's Center. Our guest today is Ms. Yesenia minier Dagato. Ms. Delgado is the university's chief diversity officer, and part of her job is to administer Title IX for the university. Welcome. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I'm glad you can have me. Ah, We're very glad you're here. Um, Let's start off just by talking a little bit about Title IX, because I think most people have heard of Title IX, but most of the time that's only in reference to women's sports, and there's a whole lot more to it. So can you tell us a little bit about it? Absolutely. So... Title
1: IX under a federal mandate is based on the Education Amendment Act of 1972. And what it indicates is that no person in the U.S. shall on the basis of sex be excluded from any participation or be denied the benefit or be subjected to discrimination under any educational program or activity receiving federal funds. So what does that mean? Essentially, Title IX prohibits sex discrimination in education institutions that receive federal funding. And that's a vast majority of schools, not just colleges and universities, but we're talking about the K through 12 schools as well that receive funding. So while Title IX is a very short statute, um, there are many Supreme Court decisions and guidance from the U.S. Department of Education that give a much broader scope covering sexual harassment and sexual violence. So under Title IX, Schools are legally required to respond and remedy to hostile educational environments or failure to do so, which could be a violation that means schools could risk losing federal funding. So it's really important for students to know how that affects them, how that ultimately covers them as well. And just to understand the specific requirements, colleges and universities that receive federal funding look at guidance material by the U.S. Department of Education, that's released. So recently, we got a 2017 interim guidance that discusses the obligations schools have to address campus sexual violence. The guidance documents are not law, but they describe how schools um, within the department will review and enforce Title IX complaints. So things that students should know about Title IX. Um, It's a civil right act that prohibits sex discrimination in education. It applies to all students regardless of gender identity. Schools can't retaliate against someone for filing a complaint or keep complainants safe from other retaliatory harassment, or they must keep them safe from any other retaliatory uh, harassment. Schools need to ensure that no student has to share campus space. What does that mean? Dorms, classrooms, or even workspaces with their alleged or known abuser. Schools have the ability to issue no-contact directives to prevent any accusers from approaching or interacting with a complainant or someone who's affected. You know, schools must be proactive in ensuring that campuses are free from any sex discrimination. Schools cannot discourage anyone from discontinuing their education as well. And schools who receive federal funding, and that's inclusive of all schools, K through 12, colleges and universities, are subject to Title IX which indicates that there has to be an established procedure or process for handling complaints of sexual discrimination, harassment, or any form of violence. So that's really the scope of Title IX as it pertains to students, whether, you know, their familiarity of it or how they're covered. Now, let's talk about the established resources, there are plenty of resources that Western has established to ensure that students know very much more about Title IX and know about what protections they have available. And so some of the things that we've done or that I've done in the last year that I've been with Western so far is you know, ensure that the material is out there and readily available on the newly created website for the Office of Diversity mm-hmm. and Equity. And what you'll find on the website is various resources for our campus response and resource team, CART, the membership, who is involved, and what pamphlets, brochures, and electronic information that's available to students at any given time. The other aspect of this that was established uh, back last year was the anonymous incident report system, an online system that permits the user, and that could be a student, that could be a community member, that could be an employee to file complaints, whether it's identified or anonymously, of any matters associated with sexual violence or misconduct. And so we readily received a number of those types of file complaints from many individuals, again, not just students, but employees and community members, to address issues of sexual misconduct or violence on or off campus. You know, the system permits for the user to self-identify or not self-identify and to submit their complaint anonymously and would permit for us to have as much information as possible to address the matter. And so that document, excuse me, that filing comes directly to my office with a copy that goes to the University Police Department. And it is also information that we use to try to remedy as many situations as possible with the University Police and other entities on campus, inclusive of members of CART.
0: So let me jump in here. So say that I'm somebody who has had an incident that I think is reportable. What's the process there? So
1: essentially, if there is an issue of report, and um, let's look at this twofold. So students are, of course, highly always encouraged to submit their complaints to our office, to the university police, to members of CART and the like, so that we could address issues as quickly as possible. When it comes to employees, many employees, based on their title and based on their responsibilities and their role, are considered mandated reporters. And the expectation is that they would be reporting whatever action is filed and made aware to them. And so they can do that in the anonymous incident report system, or they can do so by contacting the University Police, my office, and a member of the CART team so that, again, they can get guidance on how best to ensure that the issue is redressed and that it is forwarded basically to a member of the university uh, a member of the university so the expectation is that just just move it forward and don't sit on it the intent of sitting on or not reporting an issue becomes even much more grave so and even that, that applies to students as well. I mean, you know, I understand that many students always have a level of hesitancy with mm-hmm. wanting to file reports or, or make people aware of what circumstances are going on. But what is happening to A student who's aware or that affected student could be happening to another student. So it would be really highly encouraged for any student to bring forward any issues or circumstances. And you can do so, again, if you don't wish to self-identify, do so anonymously. But make sure that someone's aware of it so that the university has an opportunity to address the issue.
0: Great. Um, And some of those mandated reporters, um, faculty are mandated reporters, correct? resident directors and resident assistants are mandated reporters, um, um, members of Student Affairs, anyone that has
1: a role and responsibility that's to deal with students would be considered a mandated reporter.
0: Right. And, and so if if somebody came to me in my role in housing and told me that they were a victim of this, I have an obligation to report that through to your office. That is correct. But I can still report that anonymously so that that student isn't identified if he or she doesn't want to be. That is correct. Okay. Because I think for a lot of people that's one of the things, that that other trauma of somebody knowing something about it or knowing it was you or things, and, and that's not necessarily as important as us being able to look at the information as a university and say, are there patterns? Is this similar to something else that happened? Is there some way you know, we could or should be doing something for it? but also then to provide support for that student if they do identify. That is
1: correct. That's exactly what I wanted to also address. So on the flip side, yes, we want to ensure that there are no trends that are happening on campus and make sure that we can respond to them readily. But also, should somebody self-identify that they've experienced a situation or circumstance, that also lends to the fact that we want to offer as many resources as possible. Whether it be counseling, whether it be guidance, whether it be uh, reasonable accommodations for anybody that's experiencing uh, dating or relationship violence where there may be a need to accommodate uh, their circumstances, whether it's um, classrooms or academics, housing, uh, counseling, uh, any, anything that would permit for that person to continue their education. So, you know, you have to think about the fact that when you decide you want to do this anonymously, now you're doing this on your own where you're, okay, you're making the university aware of the circumstance, Mm -hmm. but you're not getting any help to address the trauma that you've received or the trauma that you've experienced. And so when you self-identify, there's now more available resources that are given where we can offer you a number of different things that could help with your education and with your guidance here in the university. So that's, that's why you have to really weigh the aspects and of course with a mandated reporter if the expectation is at least to report that's fine as long as you report if you do it so anonymously or not that's you know that's a given but at the same time you really do need to report when it comes to students they have the option on the right but then know that you still have resources available to you whether you do so anonymously or not it just makes it a lot easier for us to make those resources available
0: right and and We've both talked about some of those resources, but the Counseling Center is certainly a resource, and they're a, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Anonymous. No, not anonymous. They're confidential. a confidential yes. um, resource. So they they don't have to ever report your name or anything out to that anyone. Is correct. So,
1: yes, there are confidential um members of our university community mm-hmm. that you can report circumstances of sexual misconduct and they would not necessarily report that out to either my office or the university police or any members of the university and will maintain a level of confidentiality but it's up to a certain extent right let me just identify who the confidential members of the university are sure. you mentioned yes. one which is the counseling center um the women's center mm-hmm. for greater danbury uh our health services office uh, members of the health services office is also considered uh, confidential uh employees uh, members of the pastoral services mm-hmm. are also considered uh, confidential uh, members of the university. So, so those would be the four areas that students can go to within those spectrums, and of course, report issues and feel though and know that they will maintain a level of confidentiality. Again, but up to a certain extent, where if that member, that confidential member, believes that there is a risk <clears throat> or a threat to a member of the university, mm-hmm. then they would have an obligation to report but besides that, they will maintain a level of confidentiality with reports.
0: Right, and, and you mentioned a couple other things too that I think it's important for students to remember. One is that if, if the person who has done something to you is in a class, you can ask for an accommodation to be removed from that class. You can get a new place to live um, if we've got space available to you, mm-hmm. which we almost always have, so um, <laughs> that's a good thing there are you know there are lots of ways that somebody here can help you and sometimes not in ways that you're even thinking about so it's really important to take advantage of some of those resources if you can and sometimes that's not something you do immediately it might take you a little bit to Absolutely. do it but i would certainly recommend Taking advantage of it because they're also free. Absolutely, <laughs>
1: and even for what well, we we're talking about, our resources that are on our campus.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now let's discuss the fact that there are resources that are off our campus. Right. So for commuter students who feel like they don't have the ability to come to campus to get mm-hmm. any of the resources, knowing that we can most certainly refer them to resources that are outside of the university are also readily available to them. So the university also collaborates with the Connecticut Coalition Against Domestic Violence and with other coalitions throughout the state. So we have the ability to provide, you know, what available free resources are out there, not just here in Danbury, but in any town or city in the state of Connecticut, because of the fact that we have that network available to us. So if, let's say, you are a commuter student from uh, Newtown or from Glastonbury or from any other town that is outside of the Danbury area, more than likely there's a resource that is readily close to that town that we can refer you to, and you can get available resources just the same.
0: Great. I know that's a whole lot of information in a little <laughs> amount of time, so if you didn't catch it the first time, listen up again. Um, I want to thank you, Jasenia, for coming and talking with us today. It's it's a really important thing. We're going to be talking with some folks from the Danbury Women's Center in some of our coming issues. And, and so um, if people are looking for ways, uh, one of them is on bystander intervention. If you really feel like you are a person who could take a risk and stop some violence, tune back in for that podcast. You know, just those little acts of things can really make a difference sometimes. So... Um, That's it for now from Gavin Grow. I would say if you do have questions, um, you can certainly contact me at griffinm at wcsu.edu. And the website address? So the website address
1: would be www.wcsu.edu slash diversity. You can most certainly reach my office uh, by way of email at o d e at wcsu.edu or contact the office at 203-837-8444.
0: Great. Thank you so much. And that'll be it. Thank you.